Right, let's do this. 35. 3, 2, 1. Great, great. <coughs> Fuck. Oh, God. Sorry, I was eating, I was eating some salt and chips. <laughs> uh, All the time. Three, 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 three steps of <laughs> One. <Yeah>. Three, <laughs> two, <laughs> one. Shut up and sit down. Welcome back to Indie Rugby Dancer, uh, episode, I think this is 20 or 21, we're heading up to our 21st episode, guys. I'm joined by, as always, Alex, how's it going? Very well, thanks, Adam, thanks for having me on. Good. Uh, ben, he's here too, how are you? Hello, Adam, thank you for having me on. Great. And uh, Matt, what's up? He gets what's up. What's up? He's, he's... I, I like it, I'm I'm the street hip one. Yeah, exactly, being the, King, being the Kings fan. Um, yeah, just just to fulfill ownership, this will be the second time that we're recording this episode because clearly we ran into other technical difficulties yesterday. So this will be not the last episode, but if we do refer to things that happened in the past, I'm telling you they did happen. You just got to trust us. Um, that's for sure. And at least Matt gets another crack at a question I asked him yesterday that he couldn't even answer. So I look, I look forward to, 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 to that answer. But uh, a new section that we're going to be introducing this week, and just so we can talk more about uh, rugby than just the actual games, and I think there's always a lot happening in the rugby world, is the news section. Um, just first piece of news, that is super rugby related. It's Sonny Bill Williams. He's messed up his wrist or hand. I'm not quite sure which. He's out for six to eight weeks. Uh, gentlemen, uh, a bit of a blow. For the Blues, I think George Moala will come in. But it'll be interesting to see where they shift Rico, for example. He was playing at 13. Um, how do you think this will actually impact the Sharks Blues game over the weekend? Uh, I don't think it's going to make too much of a difference. Like, okay, obviously, Sunny Bull's a big loss, but Moala's a more than handy replacement. And if you watch like the last couple of games, Sunny Bull really wasn't ticking that well anyway. So he was probably due a bit of a rest. And I think like they'll. They'll be fine without him. Um, yeah. Um, is that it? Any, any, anything else? Anyone there? else? <laughs> uh, the, just that there are going to be fewer offloads, but that's really not that important against the Sharks. So Yeah, yeah they, they don't need offloads. They can just, you know... Just normal pass. Yeah. The they don't need to do it in the tackle. They can, just, they can just dummy the Sharks with the standard pass, and it's fine. All right. Uh, other piece of news, Heineken Mayer. He's going to be getting back to work. He's been appointed the head coach of Star Francais in, in the top 14. Nice yeah. to see that Heineken is getting back on the horse, Oaks. Um, I think you referred to our second last episode yesterday how uh, it seems like if you coach the box, you have a very tough time finding a job afterwards. Yeah. yeah it it's a poison the... chatter. Like, it's the media side of things, I think. Yeah. yeah, I saw sort of, I know something I didn't mention yesterday, but I wanted to. Um, Alistair Kutsia, immediately after he got fired or left or whatever, I don't know what specific term we're using, he had to immediately go over to Japan and save his job there because he's got a job, coaching job kicking off next season with him. Uh, one of the clubs, I, feel, I think it's the same one that he left to come back to be this box coach. And because of that letter, they're saying it's because of that letter, he had to immediately go save his bacon mm. in front of the Idea. managing directors and ex please explain what that letter was all about. Mm. So, yeah, I think... Yeah. I think that, yeah, talking about that media, the media exposure being a bit of a poison chalice, I think definitely has something to do with this whole thing. Yeah, well, yeah. Something we did mention on the the last episode was sort of the the difference between coaching a club side or a provincial side, like, yeah. uh, where, where you get to spend a lot of time with the players, you can work through your systems, and then coaching a national side where obviously you're a lot more in the media and you actually have less time with the players. In the case of South Africa, at least you have re real, well, you have a, you have to selection becomes more important, kind of combination mm. become more important. So there is a, there is a different skill set between coaching a national side and coaching a mm. provincial side or a club side. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. But, I mean, it, it's just weird though, because I mean, if you think about like Peter de Villiers, for example, I mean, he, Okay, he wasn't a great coach, but he wasn't like a wasn't a really shit coach. You know, it's not like he just grabbed someone at the side of the road and told him to coach the Springboks. Mm -hmm. But he was just yeah. so terrible at the PR side of things. Yeah. Right? Everyone just knew that he was like just terrible at, at PR, and that's fine because like 
if you wanted to go manage a club in Japan like um, like Alistair Couture's done or a club in France like Hannah Kamehameha's doing, no one cares. Like, you don't need that, that side of it. Like, Brendan Fenter showed that. I mean, he was fucking terrible at managing the media. And, you know, no one cares. Like, if you just get good, get good results, like, you would have thought it would be perfect for someone like Peter Davidez. But he's been in the wilderness. Yeah. Like, he just he can't buy a job until now he's moved up to Zimbabwe to mm. coach their testing, which is, I think, really good news for both of them. Yeah, because um, what is it? Yeah, he couldn't even. Yeah, speaking of buying a job, I mean, he couldn't even crack a job for Boerland, and he lives in the Boerland. Mm. Yeah, but uh, but I wasn't thinking about this Zimbabwe job. Is Zimbabwe rugby? Is Zimbabwean rugby? Is it a professional rugby? Uh, yeah, it uh, is. They're trying their. Yeah. They're trying to qualify for the World Cup. They're about as professional. No, 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 no. I, I know they're trying to qualify, but but are the do the rugby players have other jobs? I was going to say, so it's probably about as professional as the Uruguayan squad at this point. Because cause what's he going to do there? Because he's not like he can, you know, it's like, oh, come to practice. Oh, sorry, I'm on the farm this weekend. Come to practice. Oh, sorry, these cows aren't going to butcher themselves. Like, 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 like well, what, what's I don't know he, how much of a full-time job it is. Maybe, maybe it's more of like a directorship role or something like that. But yeah. Well, yeah. We, we, we shall see in terms of... Um, whether he'll be successful or not. We do wish him the best of luck, that's for sure. I just know that from a PR perspective, he is a bit of a walking nightmare. Uh, just a couple of quick pieces of news, and also, guys, this relates to draft. The Sharks, they've lost another loose forward ahead of their clash against the Blues. Uh, Vian Vosler, he has a possible cheek-prone fracture, oh. and he's returning home, but guess who's going to replace him? Thunderbolt, he's heading over to Auckland. So. Oh, of yeah. oh, I'm putting him up. I'm putting him up trade now. Yeah, I'm going to put my. I might have to Adam. change. I might have to change my trade. Uh, but uh, uh, Adam, why are you doing this? Amongst, amongst oh, damn it, I was gonna. I was gonna get him. It depends. Um, I just like that. There's a rush on a Sharks player. I think it's the first. We should document this first time I'm ever. I'm sorry, Matthew. Uh, he's not a Sharks player. Thunderbolt. Thunderbolt. Yeah. He's he's heading. Okay, yes, he's, got, he's, he's, a, he's a he's a cheater. Yeah, um, and in some other news, uh, Henry Spate, he signed a new deal with Rugby Australia, and he'll be at the Brumbies until the end of 2019. Uh, he's played 19 tests thus far, so uh, good stuff for Australia, keeping their depth in. And then just the final thing I'd like to chat about, just interestingly, and I'm just quoting from a Sport24 story that comes via AFP, so it's actually an AFP story. Uh, English Rugby Chiefs on Monday announced an action plan alongside a report showing an rising number of injuries during matches with concussion, making up nearly a quarter of the total. The Professional Rugby Injury Surveillance Project, covering the 2016-17 season, said the incidence of match concussions rose for the seventh consecutive season. And this is even after they've introduced uh, tackle laws, um, mandated breaks. Even in Super Rugby, I think we, we've all seen the amount of concussions that's been taking place. We don't want to dwell on this too long, um, but it is quite a complex subject. But how, do you, how, how does rugby fix the issue of concussions, really, without depowering the game itself with players getting bigger I'm, I'm curious though I'm curious though how much of the sort of seeing more concussions is actually because we're actively looking for concussions and diagnosing concussions whereas you know five ten years ago it wasn't really a term we were using yeah. that's absolutely I think you're definitely definitely I'm sure there's been many instances in the past where players uh, continue to play, and they should have. Just to throw in the stat there, in the 2016-17 Premiership season in England, there were 3.8 injuries per match, so 1.9 a team on average, which is incredibly high. The average severity of match injuries, uh, the time taken to return to play was 32 days, and the report showed 47% of all match injuries are associated with the tackle, with an almost equal split between tackler and ball carrier. So that tells you a lot. I mean, you see guys going in for the tackle, um, thinking about this, uh, a guy like Ben Smith, when he tackled Vince Asso, and we'll talk about that finish, but uh, in a different world, let's say Asso hadn't scored that try, maybe Ben Smith would have gotten a yellow, because he's tackling a guy in the air, for example. So I'm just, I'm just kind of referring to the grey areas. But, I mean, you guys have all played rugby. How can you, how can you plan for this, really? I think um, tackling technique comes into it a bit, because I would say... Tackling has become less, I don't know what you would to say, like controlled, scripted, whatever. There's more yeah. sort of this kind of players have their head on the wrong side. Just players hurling sort of, yourself. You wrap another player yeah. up. Like a guy like Rangi just sort of like flies in head first. Like he's going to die soon. Yeah. But, well, um, then it's Jordan yeah, Ulysses' no, time to shine. So, so I, I, I would say um, 
I would say potentially like maybe maybe they need to go back to the basics because I don't think tackling technique is what it was maybe ten years ago. Yeah, that's maybe it. Oh, I, I, Let's say. Uh, uh, Alex, anything further to add, or, or should we move um, on? I don't. I don't know. I don't, I don't think I know enough about it to be honest. Like I, I think it's we. Yeah, I welcome any change to mm. the system that would reduce the number of injuries. Yeah, well, really yeah. Uh, watch the space. Uh, we shall see. All right, let's actually move on to actual rugby. Just, just, yes? just one thing. Yeah, sure. American football is probably the same level of physicality as rugby. Yes. Uh, yeah. yeah, probably. Uh, a bit I guess. more. Yeah. A bit more so. They sort of, yeah. When it comes to the actual tackle, I mean, they, because yeah. of all the padding, they hurl themselves at they, the tackle. They, they, they have can. no regard. But but then I I was reading a thing on American football and and rugby was like a and they were saying like there would be less injuries in American football if there was less padding. Yeah, well, they, because, look, basically they, they were yeah. saying the helmets the helmets a massive issue. Yeah, because the, they don't have any concern or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah they well, use the helmet as a weapon. They dive into each other like head first kind of like, thing. like sort of a knee pad. It's not yeah. going to help against the helmet, sort of thing. So, may, may, but maybe the answer would be to uh, kind of bring in more kind of mandatory padding. Maybe around sort of the hip seem to be an issue, the knee seem to be an issue. Hmm. Sort of that. That's a lot of a lot of the place where players take contact and kind of end up dropping. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe well, not a bad idea. Well, yeah, we yeah. Um, watch the space. It, it's a big issue uh, for World Rugby. Yeah. But, but moving on to issues on the field, uh, so a quick review of Super Rugby from last week. And we'll start off with, I guess, we'll just quickly gloss over this one. Chief Sun Wolves, uh, pretty much going according to script. Uh, Damian McKenzie was unplayable uh, in that game. Um, anything further to add? I don't know. Unpla- what did you say? Uh, Damian McKenzie is unplayable. Mm. Unstoppable, I yeah. think, is the word you want. Oh, right? same dude. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah he was. Okay. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I think, as I, as I said yesterday, in all fairness, when I praised the Kings, or oh, Ahmed the Kings, the Sun Wolves, same difference. Um, when I praised the Sun Wolves last week, I think it's fair to say that this week they looked amateurish. They didn't, there was just no cohesion. They didn't yeah. have the ball. When they did have the ball, they didn't run it like they normally do. They kicked a bit more than I noticed, that, or I felt like they kicked a little bit more than they normally do. And yeah, their lineouts need work. I don't know how, but yeah, their lineouts need something. Full stop. Done. Yeah. Um, well, let's let's move on. Nothing too exciting there. Sunwolves do have the bye, and uh, Jamie Joseph. For God's sakes, if you pick a, a, a consistent fifteen, you'll get better results. But they have had a they, they have had a bit of yeah, a horror no. run of injuries. Um, looking, looking at other games, Sharks, Rebels, overall, um, geez, guys, we, we talked up the Sharks a little bit before preseason, but they've just continued to be shit. Look, I know Thunderbolt's coming back, and uh, he'll probably slot straight back in because they're desperate for some leadership. I don't want to talk too much about the Sharks. I know we've bitched and moaned about the mediocrity for so long, but yeah, um, as a Sharks fan, I would not be happy. So it's just poor shit. Yeah, I think it's, it's only going to get worse for Megas and Blues. Yeah, same thing about only... this. Sorry, go, Matt. No, go, Alex. You're going to be most probably more intelligent than me right now. Go for oh, it. I don't, I don't know, know about that, but I, I was just going to say, um, for me, like, the real question is, like, at what at what point does Robert Dupree Sr. drop his son? Ooh. Because oh. I think if he was playing for pretty much any other coach right now, he probably would have been benched. And we'd see yeah. someone like Garth April, who's played, he started there, or Bosch, who started there many times for the Sharks, yeah. um, getting a run. And, I mean, a lot of the other teams, we've seen guys who haven't been performing particularly well getting benched and then coming back and doing a little bit better, and that's very normal. And, you know, obviously this is the risk with having a father-son relationship between a coach and a player. And yeah. I don't know. I, I think that he really needs to make a statement. I think Rob Dupree needs to instill a bit of confidence in the supporters or from the supporters and the rest of the team, and he needs to drop his son, actually. Yeah. Um, is that all, Ben? Uh, anything further to add before we move on? I think everything, you know, if this is your first time listening, just go listen to some previous episodes and gauge my opinion on the Sharks, and it hasn't changed. One one thing I want to add, I mean, one thing I want to add, 
Rob Dupree Sr. seems to be Jamie Josephing the back three for the Sharks. I mean, there's very little consistency from week to week yeah, there mm. as well, which I think is which I think is also because we, we've been bitching about the attacking for the last three weeks. And I think Can that's we do a little, got a lot to do with it. Yeah. Can we do a little straw poll? Because Judge Rugby and I, uh, we had a little interaction earlier on Twitter. Here and a poll, I think, during the weekend. Mm. Um, okay. Where he was saying, who who would you who would be your who would be your left wing for the Sharks? Who would be your right wing for the Sharks? Uh, where does Pimpy play? Sorry, I'm I'm not too familiar. Pimpy's left, isn't? Yeah, Devin start with yeah. Pimpy. Um, probably going to be hated for this, but I like Corbis and Vake, personally speaking. I just uh, he had a good season last year. Um, look, if, if Sabine Corsi took his place, at, you're not losing too much. In my opinion, I think I just think that just a little extra experience that he brings, and I, I, I know, and this is assuming that they move Bosch to ten, then you have Mvava at the back just with that experience. Okay. Um, so something along that lines. Alright, you guys? Yeah, I think mine would be about the same as Adams, but I may decide that experience isn't doing them so well at this point. So <laughs> you may as well gamble on Incorsi as well and just put him on thirteen. Thirteen. No, wait, he's been playing 13. Yeah, hasn't he been playing 13? Ah, 14. Fuck, I'm blank. 14, sorry. It's one beer. Christ, yeah, it's a Lucanio Am. One beer and I forget which one's the wing and which one's the centre. It's backline, they're all the same. Yeah, I guess. Sorry, Payne. I'd say Nkosi on the right wing, Pimpy left, and either Basham or Vovo. If Bosch goes to 10, I wouldn't be upset with him Volvo at fullback. Ben? Okay. Ben, what do you think? No, I don't really have an opinion as the Sharks. <laughs> okay, well, there you go. <laughs> so, so just to just give you my thoughts quickly, so for me, like, there's really only one right winger in the Sharks team, and that's Corbis van Dijk. Uh, fuck, Corbis van Dijk. Hmm. Um, and that's because like he's the only one who I feel has the height and a bit of size on his side which is really what you look for in a number 14 because he needs to be able to challenge under the high ball and he needs to be able to basically just stop his opposing number who's normally the the strike winger for... No, normally your strike wingers on the left. So if you think about like yeah. Jonah Lomo or Herbana or Rico yeah, or Junior Sevilla... It's Sevilla. easier to pass to the left. And that's my theory. I don't know if that's really stupid, but that is my theory, that it's easier to pass to the left. I could, I could, never, I could never pass to the right. I could, to be honest, I could never pass to the right. Uh, so Matt, 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 but, but, but could, could you scrum? Yeah, I could scrum. I'd, I'd, you, look, you're, you're a good I'd, top, but fine. Yeah, you're, you're hundreds. Well done. As I explained to someone, rugby wasn't a ball sport. So the ball was secondary to everything else I was doing on the field. <laughs> but anyway, so your, your left wing is going to be your aggressive winger. Your right wing is going to be your more defensive winger. Krobus van Veek's a defensive winger. They've got Mapimpi and Corsi who are both offensive. Or, you know, they're, they're both mm. your attacking strike wing. There's no space for both of them in the team, in my opinion. Personally, I go with Mapimpi because I think he's, we've said it before, he scores tries for a living. That's just what he does. Yeah. Of course, he, I don't think is quite where he needs to be, but I think he's up and coming. Mm. So I'd be happy with him at number 23 if Bosch was playing 10 and we had Volvo fullback. But, yeah. And uh, there you have it. And that's the bottom line because Stone Cold said so. So, uh, Sharks, good luck. You're going to need it against the, against the Blues. Uh, <laughs> looking at uh, the Bulls versus Cedars, um, I think I went on a bit of a yarn about this too much. I don't want to be seen as being too pro-Bulls. I think that would be very inappropriate for me living down the N1. But um, I know they lost to the Crusaders. They were a little bit inaccurate. I know early in the beginning they went for four or five rolling malls. And it's, it's kind of like at yep. some point, guys, take the points. In the Hurricanes... Uh, Highlanders game, the same sort of thing. The commentator made an interesting point, just saying, what, what happened to taking threes the whole time? Uh, which is an interesting debate uh, in itself. Um, so apart from just a lack of, of critical finishing, which the Crusaders, even though they're carrying a bunch of injuries, still have, the championship rugby team, there's still a lot of encouraging sign from the Bulls. I know they haven't won a game on tour, unfortunately. The Reds, they could have arguably, arguably won. They threw away that game against the Chiefs. Uh, I think just a lack of maturity and experience. But overall, if I was a Bulls fan, uh, I think they're trending um, in, the, in the right direction. And uh, Papier looks great. I know Warner also looks very solid, but they're, they're trending in the right direction. I think Mitchell's doing some good work there. Cool. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I think it was just another case of same kind of thing we saw last week with them against the um, against the Chiefs. They didn't necessarily play badly. They're just not good enough. Like the Crusaders were just way, way better than them. 
Um, Jack Goodhue scored yeah, two tries really well and like didn't look too difficult. But that first try, jeez, he took like drag three fours with him. It was yeah, insane. yeah, no, it wasn't wasn't great. It wasn't a great look for the Bulls. But um, yeah, I think that they like they've had a really bad tour, but I feel like they're actually coming home with a bit of a smile on their face. Like they they played good rugby. Like and they're young guys. They had you know probably a good time overseas. And for some of them, it was their first, their first tour as a professional rugby player, which is really nice. You know, someone like Ambrose Papier must have had a great time. And I, uh, yeah, I feel like they've they've got better things to come for them. Ben, I thought you were going to uh, weigh in there. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, um, I had a point which I ma- uh, I made on the forgotten episode, and that was that if the Bulls want to play this brand of rugby, this New Zealand brand of rugby, whatever people call it these days, um, you need to. It's like kind of like it's it's a bit kind of counterintuitive in a way. But it has to come from a strong set piece. Your lineouts. Mm. Can you hear me? Yeah, we're in rapture. As you preach, the prophets, as the prophet preaches. Uh, your your, your lineouts have to be really solid, because you, you have to be able to bank on your rolling mall. Your rolling mall has to be very solid, and your scrum has to be very solid. Like you have to get those basics right first. Okay, and as mm. I think Alex mentioned it on maybe the Superbrew episode, that if you have a loose head prop who can throw skip passes and hit gaps and steals ball and, you know, does everything else, but they shit at scrumming, they're a shit loose head prop. That's how the yeah. game works. Like, you can't um, – it's the same thing. Like, as a forward, your your basics as a forward are the set piece. And if your set piece isn't working – you're playing badly as forwards, regardless of what else you're doing. So yeah, yeah. I think the Bulls have to really focus on those on those basics now to kind of co- consolidate their gains they've made. They have to um, they have to really tighten up their tighten up their set pieces and kind of beef up their beef up their forwards. Well, not like their, their pack's fine, but I think they just need to kind of get a bit more cohesion and stuff, acting like proper forwards, and then kind of unleash their backline, as it were. Mm. Yeah, no, I think definitely. that's definitely true because, like, especially like in the first game when they beat the Hurricanes, and everyone was like, "Wow, do you see like Ludiaga, you know, galloping away for a try?" And wow, do you see Ajax Neymar with all his little deft touches, line breaks, and offloads and shit? And you're like, "Great, you know, they've worked out that one game because they just happened to win." But in every game since then, they're playing this entertaining losing game brand of rugby. So you're exactly right. Like their forwards <laughs> need to just look to the basics first. And get that right, and then if they can do that, then you know they can start evolving from there. But you you don't do it ask backwards. Yeah, well, no, they, they they're trying to begin at like stage three or whatever. Like I think yeah. that you have to set the platform first. Well, yeah. exactly. Either way, I wouldn't want to be wouldn't want to be a team to travel to Loftus. I think it's going to be a very tough game, and I think the Stormers, Bulls, local derby at Loftus this coming Saturday. I think it's Saturday. It's going to be a hundinger. So I think you guys should try watch two teams that are attempting to play entertaining rugby something i wanted to ask you matt since uh, as you said yes. you, you, you sat around um rucks and rucks and whatnot kind of watching people pass you by since you're on pillar defense uh, i assume as a prop um i've been started no one passed me by i i did my work okay. <laughs> well fun start and he it was very interesting he got tackled wasn't held and uh, then went up the middle and uh, in i think someone someone just made the point um, just about how a lot of defenders are standing off these days. Yeah, why, is, so, why, why is that happening, though? Why isn't there as much emphasis on the breakdown um, as maybe there were a couple of uh, seasons back? And then what's kind of the cost, the, the balance the teams need to strike in that respect? Uh, thanks for asking, Adam. Very intelligent question, that. Yeah. Um, like, what, I, it's uh, like a master before, yeah. Yeah. Um, what I would say, what I've heard from a very learned source is... That this whole this whole idea is what it's sort of a symptom of the new breakdown rule, and where guys aren't really committing to the rucks as much as they used to, and rather to, and so you've got more players committed to defending, but then obviously, no one's holding the player in the ruck. He can put down the ball, stand up, and then run through the gap that's opened up in front of him because there's no one there anymore. So, yeah, I know Ben might want to jump in here now because you've got to look at it's a trade-off. Between committing to the ruck or defending the wider spaces it's really the the trade-off that they that they're looking at and i think this time the gamble didn't work in the crusaders favor yeah 
All right. Well, mm. well, there you have it. That's, that's the bottom line. Is Matt Matt said so. Okay, I won't keep stealing. Keep seeing that line, but um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, overall, uh, yeah. not, not I vote next. I know I vote next week. You you do? Can you smell? Yeah, what, what, <laughs> X, what X is cooking? Well, that's from we'll the just era. work our way through. Well, that's we'll from the era. That's from the era I, I did watch WWE, so I'll gladly step up when it was the Rocks' heyday. But yeah, overall, um, not too bad from the Bulls. Crusaders, they march on and they come on to a very rabbly Lions team who decided to lose again. Against the Jaguars, their bogey team. I think they're the only team that actually has an 0-3 record in Argentina. In, it's in, it's absolutely ridiculous. Um, <sighs> Jesus, where's the defense? Yeah. That's all I gotta say. Huh? Where is it? Yeah, it was, it was it was really bad. And like I just, it was it's difficult because at halftime I think I remember messaging you guys and saying, you know, that was such a, a poor first half performance that I can't really put my finger on who was the problem. Like. You know, with the Sharks, we can we can really a lot of the time we can point the finger at Robert Dupree and be like, he's you know he's he's not providing a good platform for his backs or anything like that. Or you get a guy who gives away a lot of penalties in the scrum, for example, or a lot of knock-ons, and that wasn't happening for the Lions. Like no one was really doing anything spectacularly wrong, or obviously wrong, but it was just everyone was doing everything poorly, and it just mounted up to this total shit pile that allowed the Jaguars, who, to their credit, before Matt shits on us for not giving winning teams credit, to their credit, the Jaguars were, were pretty dominant. Like, they made the most of the opportunities. They did not need a second invitation to score tries. And I think the Shark, the Lions were maybe a bit underprepared. Like, they they didn't seem ready to believe that the Jaguars could beat them. And I think that is what essentially defeated them in the end. Um, I just think there's some serious issues and just to say, uh, there's issues in the back three. I'm also a little bit worried about the over-reliance on marks, and even from a Springbok perspective, that uh, they're going to keep playing him. I know that he has to have a mandated rest week at some point, but a little bit concerning. I know he is contracted to SA Rugby. Um, yeah, it's, it's just a little bit concerning um, as a Lions fan. Like, we're still fine in attack, but just generally our tackling isn't there. Uh, Ruin Janssen from big hands. They've gone a little bit backwards. As well, I don't know if it's his knee injury or something like that, but they're just kind of lacking that element of stability. And I think uh, we're seeing Tektorberg's departure, or Ackerman's departure, Jakob Kiel's injury. Uh, they've been seriously tested at, at lock. And then Diamani, he's gone over to play sevens, um, even though he had a, a, a promising debut. And Kyle Brink, unfortunately, he hasn't really quite stepped up as I thought he would. I still still like him, but... Yeah, uh, Ben, I know you, you, you said in the last episode that it isn't actually time to panic, and this is a return to the mean that all Lions fans have been used to for over a decade, harking back to yes. the glory days of Jacques Free being the only reason that we watched the Lions. Yeah, obviously um, I'm actually really happy about this because it's, it's taking the Lions back to its roots, and it's going to ditch a lot of these like uh, glory fans and stuff. And as I said in the previous episode, you're going to see a lot of like old old Bulls jerseys and old Stormers jerseys walking around the malls of Joburg. I think you'll look for Sharks and, and Stormers. And you know what? This is kind of what being the what being a fan is about. Like you got to stick with your team oh, yeah, regardless. Like 100%. God just 100%. You can't just support them um you know when they're winning. Like you got to you got to stick it out. And you got to oh, obviously you got to laugh about it and give your own team shit. Like as a fan I think you got to be your your own team sort of harshest critic as well. Yeah. Um but you apart from the sharks because we are the sharks harshest critic. Um <laughs> That's because their fans can never sort of critically look at the Sharks. Yeah. Do you know who deserves a book call-up is Marius Lowe? Good one. I don't want to laugh too much about that, though. I can't yeah. laugh too much about that because there was that Rugby 365 article earlier today saying that JJ Engelbrecht should be in the frame for a Springbok oh, call-up. Gee, that's a total. So that's, that's Stormers, that's Stormers fans rich. for you, dude. Oh, fuck, I'm, I love I'm telling you, it's... It's a spoken... agent in America. Hmm? What, Ben? <laughs> no, no, I, I'm, I'm, I'm buying. It's a full-on conspiracy. It's the same thing. Like, you know how all the Australian and New Zealand commentators say, um, oh, South Africans are so physical. We can't compete with them physically. Oh, they're so strong. Like, they're just so much stronger. In the ta- because they don't want South African rugby to evolve. They want us to continue to be like boneheads and try fucking headbutt our way through lines instead of running through gaps. They just want to keep us down. 
It's why are the... you shitting on? Why are you shitting on Etzebeth so hard all of a sudden without what? bringing him up? Jesus, yeah, where'd that come <laughs> from, dude? You, you pulled that, grasped that out of the air. He's injured. No, 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 but you said no, but he's injured for exactly that reason, though. Sort of the way he runs into runs into contact. What have you seen, Brody Retallick? Did you see what he did to the, the Bulls? <laughs> Gee, oh, the bro, Brody Retallick's is. Yeah. No, but Etzebeth's got that technique. He's got the wrong technique for running into contact. Yeah, he does go a little bit too far. Yeah. No, no, but, but I, I think it's just we kind of get tricked into thinking that we're physically dominant. When we're actually not, we're kind of the yeah. same as everyone else, maybe slightly more. And because of that, we're not developing our game in other ways. And I think the same people who are tricking us into thinking we are physically dominant are writing articles about how J.J. Ingelbrecht should be a springbok. I like the idea that he, they're tricking us into be physically dominant and then we put Quacha Smith at the starting number eight. So, okay, so Ben and Matt have, have, have just combined to very neatly bring me back to the point I was going to make just now mm. um, about Quacha about Smith and the Lions because, like Ben says, the springboks don't evolve their game. They just rely on this, this faux physical dominance that they've brought themselves to believe that they have. And what I've been observing in the Lions the last three weeks, the trend over the weeks of the Bulls, the Sunwolves, and now the Haguares, is that it's almost the opposite, right? They've bought into this myth that Lions attacking rugby is, like, unstoppable, that they've just got all the flair in the world, that they can play like a New Zealand team, and the results will just come. Because that's what they've been doing for the last two or three years, and they've been making it to the playoffs, you know, without even blinking. But the reality is that they can't play that way anymore. And the simple reason being what Adam pointed out. They've lost Warwick Tecklenburg. They've lost uh, Ron Combrick. They don't have a big ball-carrying number seven anymore. And they don't have the players in the forward pack that are actually providing them with the platform that they need to play that silky, flary, Elton Yankee-style backline uh, back play, right? So they're trying to replicate the end result, but using different ingredients. And for whatever reason, they seem oblivious to this because they completely stuck to their guns. They haven't changed their strategy at all, not just within the season, but following on from last season, which is weird because they've got a new coach. You, like It's weird that they wouldn't change at all. And Quaker kind of t- typifies this because he's the least forward forward player in Super Rugby. And he's just not playing like a forward. He's playing like a sevens player in 15 side, which works well for him most of the time. But it's not working well for him now. And he gets shown up against the Haguaros because he's missing tackles. He can't win the collisions. He's being embarrassed by guys like Pablo Matera, who is a physical force. And yep. we, or the Lions, just had, had no one who could stand up to him. And well, essentially what the Lions are doing is they're just not earning the right to play Lions rugby anymore. They don't have the platform. Well, I think someone made the point yesterday. You need forwards that build the platform and then other forwards that exploit the platform. Clark uh, is very much the exploitive type. I'm not saying he doesn't do his fair share about the park, but he definitely does better when there's other guys doing uh, the grunt work. Um, like a Rolf Schmidt, for example. Doesn't get many points in fantasy rugby, for example, but he's grafting the whole way, or how Matt used to in his high school career, as you suggested. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll leave it at that. So it's a tough fixture for the Lions, and they are playing on Sunday. I'm a little bit worried, but if you want to listen to a truly immersive discussion of what's going to happen in the Lions versus Crusaders game, check out our Super Bowl episode where we introduce the concept of I told you so Ireland, of which I am the president. I'm just saying I'm just saying that now. Adam, 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 your new nickname is Adam Both Sides of History. What? No, man. <laughs> I, 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 I'm not going down the road again. I, 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 I thought his new yeah, nickname was Adam, Adam Moneyball. I'm Moneyball, bro. No. I'm the real no, Moneyball. He's, he's, actually, no. Do you know what, Adam? You are on an island. Butthead Island. Oh, yeah, I was about to say, it's, it's Adam Butthead. <laughs> you guys are just jealous of my fantasy success and my good looks. That's what I'm saying. But speaking, what's, what's next? Speaking, uh, of, speaking I, I, of good I, looks, I genuinely am jealous of your fantasy success. Like, I know. Yeah, that's the only thing that's I have. It. But look, speaking of good looks, how good a look was Vince Arsu's try? Hey, how's that? Oh. There you go. But uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll chat about this. We'll turn into the Cairns Highlanders game. But yeah, how great was that finish? Um, that was absolutely yeah. fantastic. And this is a guy coming off the bench who hasn't seen that much game time this season, and he is mentally on it. Um, and look, he had to do something special to ensure that Ben of accounts, Ben, excuse me, Ben from accounts, didn't knock him out with a, a textbook tackle. Um, fantastic finish. Mm. Uh, did you guys catch the game, uh, Cairns Highlanders? Yes, yeah. very good. Yeah, uh, good quality game. Any, any thoughts? I must admit, uh, I like the look of Ben Lamb. He looks very interesting. 
It's just the... I don't know. It's New Zealand always have crap loads of wings to pick from, and a guy like Julian Sevier, he's yesterday's news. And he's even switched wings yeah. to avoid Rico Oani at all yeah. black level, and I don't think he's even the best and... second-choice 14 in the country. Yeah, no shame, man. Mm-hmm. I feel bad for the guy. But yeah, I saw a fun little article on, or not an article, snippet from the article on the Crusaders Highlanders. And they actually spoke to Arso after the game. And he says he didn't immediately think he actually managed to score the try. But when he stood up, he saw half his team running at him celebrating. So he thought, fuck it, why not? And just joined in with the celebration with everyone else. <laughs> what a ledge. <laughs> it's classic. He's like, oh, the numbers on. Yeah. Yeah, it was a really great finish. Like, you don't see too many better than that. But, like, for me, it speaks to the mentality of, of Vince Asakulamika. You say, you know, he just came off the bench. So, you know, you'd think maybe his 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 uh, morale would be a little bit low. He hasn't been preferred on the starting lineup and Ben Lamb's got his spot, whatever, whatever. But you come off the bench and you, you just immediately back yourself to do something outrageous like that and you pull it off. And, I mean, with those things, you know, 80% of it is just trying. Like, you just got to back yourself. And... If you do it enough times, you get the confidence and you can start to put it off more regularly. And I think that's kind of yeah. where we go wrong in South Africa is that our wings don't actually back themselves as finishers so much. And they're more, again, what Ben was talking about, they, they buy into this idea of themselves as like more physical players. So they think to themselves, like, in that situation, you're running down the touchline, you're being squeezed into the corner by the cover defense. What is your high risk and um, high reward play? Or like, what's, what's, what is, what's your low risk play, right? Hmm. Do you yeah. back yourself on the outside? You actually swerve to the outside and just go airborne, dive over and try to get the ball down, um, but risk being pushed to the touch. Or do you step inside and take him on physically and just meet him, you know, man-to-man collision course uh, and back your superior bulk and power and weight or whatever? And it's normally the latter. Like, so many of our wings do the latter. And if you think I about think a guy like Nicky Peterson, Nicky always did that. I think that's also to do with what Ben was talking about, the conspiracy of the physicality in South Africa. I think that yeah. also might come into it as well quite a bit. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, um, but yeah, overall... Um, can, can, can I just mention one thing quickly? Always, Ben. Whenever you say, can I just uh, dot, 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 you, you, <laughs> that's, that's your catchphrase. Can I just mention... Um, in New Zealand, I don't know if they still do it, but I have heard that at some point they played rugby, junior rugby, they played in weight divisions rather than age groups. They still do. Okay. Actually, yeah. Um, and I think that kind of gives players the, it gives players kind of a more well-rounded perspective because it yeah. means you, you're not always sort of the, you know, like the biggest kid in school or whatever. So you yeah. have to you have to improve your hands, but at the same time, at some point, you are probably going to end up being one of the bigger guys in the team, even if for your age you actually aren't very big. So it kind of makes players more well-rounded. So when you're running for the corner, you have the option. You know, you're not out and out, I have to go around this guy because if he gets hold of me, I'm going to die. And you're not like, oh, listen, I'm never going to be quick enough, so I'm just going to duck in and try and knock this guy over because you sort of experience the the whole range, you're more willing to kind of back yourself to take the most appropriate option. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. And I mean, for me, like the biggest culprit of this was always JP Peterson. Uh, Hmm. I've been in a lot of arguments with Sharks fans about it because they rave about how amazing he was. And I don't want to discredit him. Like he did a lot of of good stuff for the Springboks, whatever. He seems like a nice guy, but he had just, he had the, the, the most horrible technique. He was one of the least technical wingers I've ever seen. He was a superb athlete, like he was really tall and big and strong, but and he was fast, but he, he didn't have any, like, I mean, he could never have done what Vidzasa did, and like, more than that, he would never have even tried, like, he wouldn't have... He would never even thought of it, yeah, I was going to say, thought Exactly, like, he would have just stepped inside and probably scored, because he was a big guy, and like, you know, back in the day, when you're taking on someone like, I don't know, Keith Earls or, or someone like that, you know, you probably can beat them on the cover defense just with your physicality, but I mean, nowadays, you're yeah. looking at at, at equally big backline players. Like, you can't do that to Rico Ioni, you know, for example. You can't do it. You can't even do it to Ben Smith, which is why you got to go the Vince Arso airborne route. Mm. And, yeah, like, it's just, it's an area where South African backs are, are still very far behind. And I think Ben's maybe right about the weight division thing. Like, I think that maybe would be a good mindset shift. 
Yeah, no, I, I agree. Or but... who was it? Who was it? Was was it Jam Jam in the group who spoke about how Mpimpi's was from the Eastern Cape and where the guys there grew up playing one touch instead of three this touch? This is me. I'm all. I'm all about. <laughs> The difference yeah. between touch rugby is like, I want to make like a chart around South Africa about the different types of touch <laughs> rugby. I grew, I grew up primary school, one touch, high school, three three touch. Where did you go to high school? Yeah. Uh, back in George as well. But I played, I, I went to the dual medium uh, primary school. So uh, the Afrikaans influence was the one touch. And then when I went to the English high school, it switched to oh, three touch. Yeah. Yeah, because generally English like English high schools, like some of them, like in Joburg, even play like six down, which is ridiculous. We, we tried five so five touch one day, and it was ridiculous. It was you just worked the phases. No, and no, you but, got, but, but 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 one touch obviously it has a lot of flaws, but it yeah, does but, teach you how to beat a man one on one, which almost yeah. everyone in Eastern Cape can do. Yeah. I, I've stepped. Look, I've stepped. Look, look stepped yeah, that, that that that's one touch straight there. <clears throat> yeah. Mm. Yeah, oh, yeah. Um, just uh, uh, just quick diversion. I just saw a piece um, on I think it was stuff in New Zealand Herald, where they just ran a state of origin sort of vibe for all the different teams of where, yeah, which how the different regions in New Zealand were able to form a team with players from that region. All the other teams were able to complete a pretty decent fifteen. Um, like the Crusaders and Auckland fifteens were pretty disgusting. Producing a lot of the players, in particular Auckland, the Highlanders, they can't, they can even barely field a seven side of all the players currently playing Super Rugby at the moment that are actually from the region. There's Ben Smith, I think, three other players that are currently in their team that mm. from that, and uh, the rest, it's just good recruitment uh, and good management, and they become a yeah. force to be reckoned with. Naholo is from the Blues, Becky Toe before he left from the Blues, and. Uh, but, uh, oh. Aren't all players in New Zealand centrally managed, though? Uh, yes. Uh, all blacks are, yeah. All the, all, the, all... I, thought they, I thought they all were. I think they are. Um, that, all the coaches I, that, are. I find that really surprising because... I'm, uh, okay, Wait, just yeah, disclosure, disclosure. I don't know that much about New Zealand geography and like different regions. But my impression and my understanding has always been that um, Otago is quite an agricultural sector. So like, it, there's a lot of farmers in the area... In, like that, in that part of New Zealand, like it's quite agricultural. So you would think that that would be like the equivalent of like Borland in Western Cape, for example. So I'd, I would have thought yeah. that they'd have a lot of players to draw. Maybe they, maybe they don't have the numbers. I don't know. Maybe that's it. But I think, like, yeah, I think doesn't, doesn't Brad Thorn, yeah. Brad Thorn's from? I'm sure Brad Thorn's from around there. I think. So like I. Well, here I, I just see here that. Um, the five New Zealand franchises, they're owned at least 50% in part by the New Zealand Rugby Union, and they hold the players' primary contracts, uh, and that's the contract with the franchises becomes secondary, and then the pro- provincial contracts becomes the tertiary. Um, and then when a player becomes uh, an all-black, sorry, I was just busy reading through, it's not my little search, on my little search here. But yeah, that, that kind of indicates that uh, primarily the New Zealand have uh, the major say in uh, their players, just like Ireland does um, in many ways. Um but yeah, overall, I just thought it was interesting um, and just good recruitment from the Highlanders that most of the teams actually recruited, apart from Ben from accounts. Oh, I don't know, for, probably probably the, the most well-rounded fullback in the world. I know there's people in the Northern Hemisphere mm. claiming other cuck. Falao, I'd say, is better in certain skills, but Ben from accounts uh, is the best. Um, any, anything further to add just on, on the Canes Highlanders game before we move on? Nah. No, I think we've covered it uh, in depth. Um, Besides, wait, 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 I forgot the headline. Um, (laughs) The headline to that article with Arsa, the one that that reads, Clinical Hurricanes Content to Keep Accumulating Uh, Competition Points. Just for Phil's sake, I just wanted to point out that the Hurricanes were the clinical side. There's your your clinical team right there, Phil. Yeah, the Hurricanes, they're slowly getting to their work. They're a team to watch. So, uh, a, a team... Maybe that aren't too bad to watch, apart from a guy like George Whitehead and uh, the scrum half who telegraphs kicks from uh, the latter part of the 18th century. Uh, the Stormers versus the Reds. The Stormers, they got over the line uh, against the Reds. Damien Willemse, uh, the next great hype. He's not doing his reputation any harm. He was also very, very good. Uh, Tupo, the Reds prop, he's been sighted after smashing his shoulder in, in Craig Barry's face, so I'm glad that that got picked up. That probably deserved a, a, a red. Raymond Rule, I've given him a lot of shit for not being able to defend. He is getting better and attack. It seems like he's a bit more rejuvenated now. Um, so you're not good on him. He's, he's offering a lot. 
And just my final comment about the game is uh, Dalgunu's try and that step. I know there was a flappy tackle too, but holy shit, uh, that was a hell of a try. Um, it's pretty awesome to check it out. But yeah. talking to talking to you, Alex, you were at the game. You are a roving reporter. Yes. Tell us about Harry Hawkins. And, uh, I was right there. Harry, Harry Fat, Hawkins is a phenomenal specimen. Uh, yeah, Harry Hawkins is a phenomenal specimen. I've never seen anything quite like it in my life. Um, he's he's quite a sight to behold, let me tell you. Um, he's like a giraffe, except without the the like the torso. It just it's like it's just <laughs> legs and then straight in, straight into like a two meter neck, and then it's got the face of a of like a, a child at the top of it. So he he really is um, an abomination. Um, but yeah, he. He does exist. I can confirm that he does exist. It's not just a myth. And uh, yeah, the other question was about Fatty Lucas. Unfortunately, it's actually Ben Lucas. Um, I tried. I tried to come up with a synonym for fat that rhymes with Ben, um, <laughs> but it's not. So, so hopefully, no one thinks we're talking about Matt Lucas, who I'm sure is in very good shape. But Ben Lucas is not. Ben Lucas is overweight, and possibly as a result of that, he's very bad at playing rugby, um, and specifically scrum half, which is his preferred position. So all around, just very unfortunate. Um, but okay, the, on the plus side, as you say, Raymond Rule very good, especially on attack. His try, I think, was a real sort of poacher's try. Like he saw the opportunity, and just made the most of it. And his missed tackle on Dalgunu, I really can't blame him for that. Like I don't think any winger in the world would have been able to stop Dalgunu on that on that stretch. Yeah. Uh, ben, um, just your thoughts on Damien Willems. Do you think? I know we mentioned it last week, but he's. Um, He's really sticking his hand up to be noticed. Uh, I just think, is he 20? Is that is that right? He's that old? 19. 19. Yeah, I th- maybe he's just... 97. He's turning 20 in like a month's time, I think. Jesus. He looked yesterday. Christ. Um, I, it's almost kind of like he's too young to have fear. So that's why he's playing with such freedom. Yeah. Uh, you know, he, 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 he doesn't know what he doesn't know. It's yeah. like... Uh, yeah. No, no, he hasn't no, been tackled. I, I do, I, I he hasn't do, been tackled do, by Brad Thorne yet. <laughs> it's just maybe, a matter of time. You don't, know, you don't know what happens in the changing rooms afterwards. Maybe it was a rite of passage. Maybe the older guys in the team organized it for him. <laughs> <laughs> Damien, Instead of a Damien, Damien. Brad Thorne. <laughs> no, this was quietly Damien Standio. Why? No, no, just Standio. It's fine. No, no, Next no. They, know, just, boom, they just spears they the shit the out of it. They, they lobbed him a can of beer, and as he lifted his arms to catch it, Thorne <laughs> pumped him in the ribs. <laughs> Thorne just like dives out from under the table he's standing next to and just spears him right gone. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, no, but I, I do. I like the way Damien plays. Eh? He's straight. I don't know. Like I know Alex has mentioned it a few times, but I don't know if he's a pure fly half. Yeah. I, I would say he's like a, a 10, 12 sort of. Like ideally, I, I know. How good would he be at 12? I'd, I'd love him at 12. Like, I think, I think he'd be so good at 12. Like, he had a really good distributing 10 inside of him. Like, um, or even like, yeah, I was going to say Andre Pollard, but even someone like Pat Lambie at 10 or whatever. Like, yeah. I think he'd be so much better with that extra bit of space. And then if you have like a really sort of hard running outside center, like, um, Harold Foster, for example, who just loves a good ball to run onto. And you get someone like Damien stepping around in the midfield and then just popping up that short ball that slick Forster angle through the midfield. It's just, it's perfect. I, I'm digging him at 10 Oaks. I don't know why you want to move him. Uh, but there's also a 10 no, no, he's good. No, 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 I'm not saying, uh, we, we, his skill set just is, he could play 12. And, and my, my, my uh, dream is that South <laughs> Africa play a first 5-8, second 5-8, like uh, basically yeah. two fly halves at 10 and 12. Like Pollard at 12. Because I think yeah. it just, well, Pollard at 12, Pollard yeah. at 12, Vincent at 12, even someone like Lambie at 12, obviously that ship seems to have sailed. Uh, but like, 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 just because it just it just makes a statement of the kind of rugby you want to play. Yeah. And I like, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think we, I think we're a long way off that. So tell him he's dreaming. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, um, I, I don't think Willemse will get a will get a box shot now. Maybe, maybe. Uh, uh, end of year tour or, or yeah, he's going uh, rugby he's champion. Get that, I reckon he's going to get that appre- apprenticeship sort of role at the end of end no, of, at the end of year you're tour. You're talking about this, but like I know last time we spoke about this, I said um, 
Rob Dupree is currently in line for it, but no, Rob Dupree must fuck off now. Uh, but Rob Dupree, yeah. So so much anger. So I was going to try quote um, Star Wars Yoda. I just uh, is your fear, Ben? <laughs> fear at least to anger. Anger leads to the dark side. That's kind of up the shark. And the sharks generally anger, black. Anger leads to hate. Yeah, I, I, thank you, thank you. Oh, uh, sorry, sorry. Um, yeah, Matt, uh, Volkolo, the golden age of prop trials continues. Volkolo had another fantastic yes. game. Um, and uh, the, the ginger, ginger Giants came on and did well. What? How do, do you think the Stormers pack is going to smash the Bulls at Loftus? It's going to it's gonna be a cracker. Um, short answer, yes. Oh. Do, do, do you want something hot off the press? Yeah. Lou de Jager is injured. Ooh, but is Akio Seman, is he fit? Uh, no, he's still fractured. He was four oh, to six weeks. So I don't think so he's They described it as a, as a mini lock crisis. Oh, but that, that means lock- Jason Jenkins will then start. He's good. Uh, then who's the, who's the other oak of the rank? They're going to have to pull someone uh, from the Lucy's and then, I think... Oh, uh, like, no, what, Henry? Then they have Tim Agaba was sort of... Oh, off. that's true. He was like one of those well, lock flank. Yeah, I don't Garber's think he's great. Yeah. Oof, that's... Agaba, I, I, I was impressed with Agaba. He actually got a lot of balling. He didn't really do much with it. Oh. He needs to stay flanked. Agaba shouldn't look good I'm regretting block, my. Yeah. I'm regretting my Superbury pick. I picked the Bulls. I don't know what if you said the Stormers. I was like, fuck you guys. I'm going to pick the Bulls anyway when I was doing my picks earlier. I said a, I said a draw. I said it was going to be a draw. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. Um... <laughs> Speaking of the Stormers, okay. as well. Ruben, Ruben van Heerden, Andre Strassen, whoever they are when they're at home, have been suggested as Lude's cover. Oh, Andre Strassen at least sounds like a skinnier version of Andre Strauss. Yeah, that's true. You can take... No, I, I went not Strauss. He was a good servant when he was still fit for the box. He was a good servant when he played for the Cheetahs. Uh, so yeah, then he, then he went to the Bulls and stopped caring. Yeah, and he picked a water Just like Latis, just like Philip van der Valt, just like uh, Francois Fent is currently playing his best rugby of his career. <laughs> the the just Bulls, like um, just like the Stormers ruined Jacques Ferry. <laughs> and yes. Brian Habana. And, and Brian Habana. Uh, Matt, uh, you were going to say something? Yes. No, I was just saying, um, looking at this, the lock crisis that the Bulls have got, something looming on the, a bit of silver lining looming for the Storm is, is that apparently Malhab is uh, mending quite well and Skara has been seen training with the squad as well. So they're too, they're too short and sort of um, silver linings for the Stormers pack coming up soon. Yeah, I don't know. Not, 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 for the, not hmm. in time for the Bulls, but yeah, I reckon... Another round or two, at least for Skara. Yeah, well, I yeah. don't know. The Stormers always seem to it's perpetually oh, have a, an injured hooker. The the Stormers are the Stormers are looking in good shape, eh? Like a few few people coming back from injuries, they're hitting their straps a bit. Like yeah, they just I think they George Whitehead needs to go, and right. and then you need scrum half. Justin Phillips is not, not the answer. Don't, don't talk to me. Don't talk to me about George Whitehead. Yeah, he, he was just poor. I think um, he looks too skinny to be a super rugby player. I know we were joking about size, but seriously, he just does not look fit for peppers. Um, that's all I'm going to say. But yeah, uh, I think a fair point. The Stormers are are, are looking pretty good. Um, and I think, at, uh, thankfully, they've just, they've banished JJ to the wing, or hopefully the bench, where he should stay. Um, overall, so a big game happening in Pretoria. So I think mm. that, that that's, from a South African perspective, going to be picked. There's a couple of good games, actually, to watch this weekend. I'd definitely say the local derby in Pretoria is the one to go. Uh, gentlemen, that's actually all the games. So, I mean, I just, I just wrote down a couple of points here. Um, first of all, let's just have a quick mention of Six Nations. Ireland, congratulations for winning. Uh, they're showing yep. Jake White-esque Springbok efficiency in uh, winning games, mm. which is good. Grand Slam, dude. Yeah, yeah, third one yeah. only ever. So with the last one being in 2009 and the previous one, I think in the 50s, I do stand to be corrected on that. And then uh, you guys saw this uh, Spain-Romania incident. Uh, not, excuse me, yeah. Spain, yeah, that that whole joke. Um, yeah, Spain-Romania is probably fair. Yeah, it, well, yeah, it was the Romanian ref who decided to I award think, so uh, many penalties. Belgium was just, a, Belgium was just, just an innocent, just, innocent so, third so, party. So the context here was that Belgium, Belgium were playing Spain, yes? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And for for Romania to go through, Belgium would have to win. Yeah, and Belgium had yeah. a shit tournament. 
Like, and, uh, and, um, the, and, the, and the ref was Romanian. Yes. Yeah. And yes. Spain's and not... All the, all the all officials. All the officials are Romanian, weren't yeah. they? It was just the ref. Yeah, no, all so. the officials. And uh, the, um, he, the head of rugby Europe, also Romanian. Yeah. yeah. Just FYI, Spain's not automatically excluded from the tournament yet. They still can qualify. Yeah, the beat- but it's on the... But it's on the outside hope that I think they've got to beat Fiji or something no, like Samoa. that. So like, if they Samoa, come through, oh, fuck, one call me, <laughs> one's the same, one's if the they, other. If Shit. they come through, repos- repos- just repos- as charge. daunting. Yeah, and they got to travel, travel to Samoa after beating. They got to beat Portugal first. But um, yeah, either way, it's a bit fucked up. That's all I can say. It's not a good look for World Rugby. And it was Rugby Europe who made the decision, and Spain did apply a month before the game, asking for a change in officials, and that refused. I have a sneaky suspicion uh, that game's going to be replayed. And uh, I'm curious, just just, just in, anyone who hasn't read anything about it, just the ref it gave roughly, I think it was about six penalties to Belgium. Belgium, uh, Spain, uh, Spain, uh, the other way around. Spain, so Spain, Spain got six. Belgium, Belgium, Belgium got over twenty penalties compared to the six. Or Spain. Oh, yeah, so sorry. To, uh, so Spain conceded over. 20, whatever, yep. about 30 penalties. And all Belgium's Which points came from penalties. So, I mean, I don't blame the Belgian outrageous. team. Yeah, the, the Belgian team went... Absolutely outrageous. Yeah, the Belgian team went including. They were just like, all right, whatever, we're going to win this game. But the referee, yeah, I think it's it's a pile of, pile of bullshit. Yeah, but then there's, then there's that, that sort of... It's difficult to say, because, I mean, I reckon all of us in that situation would have reacted almost exactly the same mm-hmm. as the Spanish players yeah. did uh, after yeah, that was, game. Was, wasn't a good look for the Spanish team either. But, but at the same time, it, it's not a good look yeah, for professional rugby in general. I mean, yeah, I sincerely... That's, mm. that's soccer behavior, to be fair. Yeah, I sincerely hope that the Spanish, you know, get get their just desserts and bye-bye, maybe getting a replay. And, uh, yeah, Alex, is there anything else uh, you want to bring up? I think well, that's going to wrap it up. We are just under an hour, which is which is good going. Um, anything further that just stuck out you want to want to talk about? Um, no, I think I'm good. I'm good. Um, Kings almost won again last weekend. Uh, 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 the, the, the Cheaters, I think. I think the, the Cheaters uh, did have a good win. I think the full <laughs> stages of um, thingy are finished. Oh, really? Top 14. Uh, ooh, yeah. Okay. And also, uh, who's who's uh, Kirk Coleman? No, oh, there's, there's one more round, isn't there? I think there's uh, one more round of pool stages. I, lo- I, love how, I love how Matt brings up the Kings, and everyone's like, "Oh yeah, that reminds us of the Cheetahs." Let's talk about the Cheetahs. Well, well, yeah, well, because I know the King, the Kings have one more game in George, and I think that's still the pool. That's still part of the pool stages. Because well, well, I presume the Kings haven't made the playoffs. Uh, no, I don't. Yeah. There's a special playoff for winning one game. <laughs> is that is that the uh, the playoff for our hearts, Matt? Pretty much, which is what they're playing oh, next week. It's, it's, oh no, no, no this lucky is, they don't all have to get face tattoos. Well, the cheaters Sorry. are they are third in Conference A. Uh, they have ten wins. They've played Oaks Pro Fourteen as passes by. They've, they've played as eighteen games yeah, already. It's uh, ridiculous. So I think they're actually are they actually done. Sorry, I'm busy just this website. They it's, might be done. I think yeah, Kings are still a, a game yeah, in hand. That's right. The Kings, Kings, uh, they, they keep the best for last. Uh, the, <laughs> no, but the Kings can't be playing. They've got 18 games. Uh, ugh, I don't the Kings know. Kings are. Pl- I literally bought tickets for a Kings game on the 7th of April, Adam. Uh, <laughs> no, I know that. Against, I know that. I against know that. Leinster. Against Leinster. So. Well, well look, I think there might be another round left. To all the Cheetahs fans out there, once uh, the Cheetahs do make the playoffs, I think they're pretty much locked in for that. We will dedicate a significant amount of time for uh, the Cheetahs. The final is in 60 days in Dublin. 60 days, 21 hours, 58 minutes, and 4 seconds, according to the clock here. 16 or 60? 60. 60. Two months. Two months from now. 60. Two months. Yeah. You know, the tournament takes forever. Yeah. No, I mean, I mean, when did they start this fucking tournament? Like in December, November? Yeah. yeah I mean, it's no, like, it was like earlier, wasn't it? It's like, Jesus, 18 no, yeah, games have already right. passed us by. Those Cheetahs players must be finished. Holy shit. That's, uh, they play a lot of, lot of rugby. Actually, yeah. When was, when was Karika? Uh, October? Yeah, like September, Fuck, October. Fuck, so they've been playing, yeah, since like September. Yeah, they... they yeah, before that, but... Because they... Yeah, because Pro 14 sort of overlapped with the start of Curry Cup as well. Yeah, it was a bit of a... Uh, they, were, they were doing Super Rugby before that, don't forget. Yeah. yeah, let's not forget that, yeah. Um, no, no, fucking... There, there has been suggestions, mumblings, 
that perhaps all the South African teams should actually go play in Europe. What do we think of that? Uh, I, nah, I, I think nah. no. No, nah. I think the exposure. I, I don't. To I want to see. I want to see us playing New Zealand teams. Yeah. yeah. I've got yeah. a better idea. Let's cut. Let's cut the number of Australian teams to two, and the rest of them can fuck off to Northern Hemisphere. <laughs> they can all join up with the force in that special tournament that they're setting up. I saw that the fuck strangest headline I've seen all month. Western Force sign, and then they're like four players named. I'm like, what the fuck? Why are you signing players? Why on yeah. earth are you signing players? But anyway, yeah, anyway. That's, that's poor financial management. <laughs> well, I, I, you're not in a, you're, they're not in a tournament, but they, they've signed four players. One of them's did the, the, the Kings sign Rudy Page? Yeah, they did. Yeah, uh, uh, no, the, cheetah, the cheaters cheetah, did. Cheetah. Oh, the cheaters, the cheaters sorry. Did. No, oh, no, the Kings, like, the Kings don't have money to like, sign. They, they, they can just do with cover pretty much every position. Yeah, the Kings look. The Kings don't have the money to sign ex Springbok Rudy Page, <laughs> <laughs> the luxury player. For yeah, ex Springbok. <laughs> ex Springbok. You've got to refer mm. to him as ex Springbok Rudy Page. Yeah. Um, I mean, their big, their, the Kings' big signing was fucking Coleman. And he's I'm injured. sure he would have gone over for like. Yeah. No, is he now? Yeah, I saw. I think he's, he's injured. So you're not going to see him burn up Oto um, Park. Sorry, Matt. Oh, it's fun by me. Oh, it's fine. I wasn't really looking forward to Coleman. <laughs> I've been his biggest fan. Um, right, that, that, that's going to wrap it up uh, for this episode of Elite Rugby Banter. Uh, thank you for listening. If uh, you are listening, catch us on iTunes, Acast, and SoundCloud. Please rate and comment, uh, uh, Iceman. We know we know you. We appreciate you <laughs> as well for for commenting. And uh, yeah, gentlemen, thanks for thanks for joining me, Matt. Uh, thank you very much. Um, I wish you a very good Friday, by the way. Oh, thank you. I yes. appreciate it. Yes. Um, and uh, Ben, I also wish you um, a good Friday, even though it's not a public holiday. So you'll be at work when the rest of us are actually not at work. Yeah, I might, I might take the day actually out of sort of self 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 empathy yeah, and, and solidarity. And uh, Alex, thanks for joining us. Thank you very much, Adam. Thank you for having me. Kif. And uh, yeah, to all the listeners out there, have a very good Easter. We will um, be recording uh, over the weekend. Uh, we don't take a break when there's right beyond. So uh, catch us next week. Thanks for listening.